Hello and welcome to the Challenging University podcast with me, your host, Tony Kent. Now, how do we get more young women to take up trades? And why are parents such a problem when it comes to showing children the value of blue collar careers? Anna Moynihan is a co-founder of TaskHer, the award-winning and only online booking platform that connects modern homeowners to a highly skilled, proudly professional community of tradeswomen. In our conversation, Anna shares her career experiences in the world of film production and what it was like to work for MTV, how redundancy led to a radical rethink, why we need more female plumbers, gas fitters and electricians, what we can do to change attitudes towards trades and how AI is going to help rather than hinder practical professions. We also talk about what it's like to run a business with your husband, the power of an all-female panel and living your best life with Westlife. I know you're going to love this episode. Let's go. Hi, Anna. Hi there. Thank you for agreeing to come on the Challenging University podcast. An absolute pleasure. So uh, we met through LinkedIn. I read your story on a woman of the week, I think, from a firm called Leader Market that I used to work for. Um, But the listeners may not know of you. So for the listeners today and the listeners to come, could you please share your name and what it is that you do today? Uh, My name is Anna Moynihan, and um, I'm co-founder of a company called Tasker, which is a platform that enables homeowners to book tradeswomen online. Brilliant. Um, Now, before we get into the kind of meat and drink of that, um, which I'm very excited about, um, because we've got lots to talk about when it comes to things like apprenticeships and women in the trades, um, what was your own sort of journey like? Did you think when you were at school that this is what you'd be doing? No, not at all. Um, when I was at school, um, it was very much sort of in the midst of the um, the Labour Party pushing university on everybody. It was very much assumed that you would um, go to uni um, and you would... Um, end up in a job that was sort of one of five, something to do with business studies, something to do with uh, politics, or something to do with working in medicine. Like they were, they, it was there was not sort of there was no creative jobs available. There was no no one kind of encouraged you down the route of being an entrepreneur. Like that was just so incredibly far fetched. So um, when I was at school, I did. Uh, I did politics, um, design and technology, and French, two of which I had. I, I think I literally did them because it worked with my, um, with my kind of like rotor within my classes. Like that was that's how they kind of sort of encouraged you into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was ridiculous at the time. Now, now that I think about it, and um, I ended up doing quite badly in my A levels. Um, and uh, and we ended up redoing them and sort of picking A-levels that I actually wanted to do um, at college, which kind of then sort of determined, sort of started getting me thinking about more of a kind of creative career, which is kind of what I started, started out in before I ended up where I am now. And um, what did... Um... Uh, what A-levels did you choose then? So once once you could choose the ones that you wanted to do, yeah. what did you pick? 
I um, did film studies and media studies and I did them at college, a local college, um, um, sort of in my kind of year out essentially. Um, And it did them in the evening and worked at a pub during the day and just really enjoyed doing those. And and I suppose like the way we learned as well was very different. It was an evening, evening class. Uh, it was a lot more relaxed it was about you know we were watching films and it just it was you know it was something that I was interested in and it was something that my school didn't offer and most I think at the time didn't offer we're talking this was you know early 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 noughties end of ended end of the 90s so they just weren't on the table and um I'm interested to know actually thinking about your kind of peer group when you were at sixth form um was it usual for people to kind of say, actually, I'm going to go to college and what did most people go to uni? What was the kind of experience of, of people that you went to school with? So I went to a grammar school um, and I think that kind of meant that I think I think a lot more people probably went to university just because of the nature of the school. Yeah. It was yeah. it was quite academic. Um, I think that there was no I remember there being like no real explanation when it came to because it, it was what was year 11 year 10 that you went into sixth form, uh, year 11 that you went into sixth form yeah <laughs> just so long ago um <laughs> at the end of year 10 there was just no real kind of conversation about kind of what you were doing it was just assumed that you were staying on for sixth form there were a few people that went to college and did sort of BTECs and things like that some of my friends did and sort of went and did sort of um because they just didn't enjoy the school environment um but on the whole I would say the majority the vast majority of people will have gone on to university regardless of whether they wanted to or not and regardless of whether they were kind of studying something that they particularly were passionate about and I was definitely one of those people but I guess at the time I didn't really think because university was just so accessible and um um tuition fees were lower and um you know it was just it was just the thing that you did and and I suppose also you know a lot of us would have had I had I've got an older sister who'd gone to university she was the first person in our family to go to uni and seen how much fun it was and and a lot of it was was that as well and I think a lot of my peer group would have had a similar kind of experience that you wanted it was an option to move out but there was never really a discussion about an alternative certainly for me as well um mm. doing anything other than staying on for sixth form and doing those A levels. It's just that then because I didn't enjoy them and because my school I hadn't looked anywhere else, hadn't thought about moving. Yeah. I didn't I didn't do very well. And then given and then I sort of gave myself a second chance and went to college and did yeah. the so that I could get into university and actually study for something that now I know I really didn't need to go to university for. But <laughs> hindsight's a wonderful thing. And you. Um, <laughs> and thinking about sort of given what you do today, um, working with female tradespeople, um, what were the kind of career options, or do, do you feel there was a sense of women should be doing blah? I'm, I'm intrigued to get because you've written about this on LinkedIn recently, which I loved. And I just love to hear your thoughts, what your experience was of thinking about careers for women when you were looking at what you'd do next. I 
I mean, again, like I do wonder if so. There was never, I mean, there was never a mention of the trades. And I, to be honest, I don't even know if there was a mention of the trades for the boys at my school in particular because it was a grammar school because it was quite yeah. education focused. At the time, you had to pass an exam to get into that school. Like, I mean, it, yeah. you know, it wasn't the best school in the world, but that was kind of always the route that we were kind of encouraged down. But I remember, yeah. I think it's when you're is it when you're 16 we were we were doing work experience yeah and I'd uh I remember just I was put into a hair I was put on a hairdressing course at college okay. like that was my work experience so like, I went and helped out with the hairdressing course at the local college because yeah. the, that was I they didn't really know what to do with me because I I kind of wanted to do something creative and that was kind of all that yeah. they could do. um there was never I mean it was and I think that in itself is quite like it, it shows just you know how little thought they were kind of really putting into <laughs> what kind of experience people were getting I don't yeah. know there was nothing there was I mean we literally I think you had a 10 minute chat with a careers advisor in the library and then and then that's kind of you know and I know that obviously there was logistics around it and they had to find work experience for yeah. however many you know 16 year old kids from the local school to go to but there was never there was never any kind of doubt that if, if it hadn't been something like um, hairdressing, it would have been beauty or yeah. it would have been something um, feminine, I suppose. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. I remember one, I remember one, uh, one work experience um, place, which was an insurance firm near to our school, um, which I actually ended up working at after school for a bit because people, <laughs> my school had worked there but um a few people doing work experience there and the owner was a really tiny firm the owner yeah. forced you to wear a skirt if you were a girl and I just really remember that because at my school you didn't have to wear a skirt you could wear trousers if you were a, were a girl right. I think that was yeah. quite a thinking thing and also we were uh, there was a, it was a very sort of multicultural school so yeah there, there was that element too but I remember just being really annoyed that I had to put a skirt on to go to work yeah they were doing work experience there they didn't stand a chance that's mad isn't it um right okay interesting um so what did you go to study at uni that you really did want to study um so I studied tv production which um which you really don't, I mean, to get into TV production, you really do not need to study TV production. You do not, mm. you don't need a degree. Um, but I suppose, again, I, it was something that I didn't even ever question. There was a, there were yeah. courses available. Um, I had the grades to get onto the course I wanted to at Manchester Metropolitan University. And I'd gone, I'd got, I wanted to study it because I'd, I'd gone to watch TV show be shot at some point in my youth. Uh, yeah. I really, I just thought this looks really fun. This could yeah. actually, and this could be a job, and that's really cool. I don't have to sit in an office all day, yeah. uh, be on a studio floor. And so I just was like, yeah, I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna study. And I mean, it was it was really good fun. It was probably an hour's worth of lectures a week, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there was, I mean, there was a lot of practicals and there was a lot of filmmaking and stuff like that. But it was it was it was fun. It was. Yeah. It was not a, I would not say it was a proper degree, really. Um, but I, I mean, I really enjoyed it and I made some great friends. Yeah. Um, so I've got two questions. One is, what was the show that you watched that inspired you? 
<laughs> do you know what? I, I was thinking about this earlier because I was like, I wonder if this will come up. And I, I can't remember. It was a dating show. It was an awful kind of MTV-esque style dating show. It wasn't an MTV day. Um, ah. And we were kind of in the crowd, like on the studio floor screaming. Um, yeah. And it was just like that real proper, like light entertainment um, yeah. nonsense, basically, which, which yeah. is very appealing to me at the time. <laughs> Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds cool. Um and I could see why that would appeal. Um yeah. if we're in the spirit of sharing, I once <laughs> oh God, I once went to participate like in a TV game show where they whittle you down from like two hundred to three people and I was out in the first whittling down. And I was like, right, I've spent all day in London oh, for, no. for 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 no winnings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, when you left uni what what did you do what was your first job um so when I left uni my first job my first proper job so I had like a summer job as soon as I left uni which was um via one of my friend's parents they got me in to do some admin while I was looking for my first sort of proper job yeah. and my first job was on a TV production of a show called Pepsi Max Downloaded. And it was where um, you, uh, contestant winners, I, I think they'd entered a, 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 comp a competition via Pepsi Max. Yeah. They got to win their favorite band downloaded uh, into their home or hometown. Oh, wow. So we had like Westlife and. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, who else? Like just basically pop stars, Natasha Bedingfield, Miss Dynamite, oh. all of those people in like the early noughties. And yeah. we went to the country um, filming um, shows within people's homes or, oh, Girls Aloud was another one they did, we did in Reading. But um, it was really, <laughs> I mean, fresh out of university, I was staying in hotels um, yeah. with like production crew and like, June Sarpong and like yeah. you know all of these like Channel Four presenters and it was just wild for me because I'd not yeah. done it. I'd done some work experience at uni. Um, but lucky that because we were in Manchester, MTV had got in touch to say that they were bringing one of their flagship shows to Manchester for a week, and they'd got in touch with our course and asked if anyone wanted to be a showrunner. And that is ba that basically is what got me my first job because I had MTV on my CV. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. I loved it. Yeah, I can imagine. I've just got a question in my head of whether if you enter a room and Westlife are in it, whether they all stand up at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> They'd all yes. get off their stools to do the key change. Um, oh, completely. They were as as you would imagine. I remember wow. we had to film, like film picking them up from the airport, and it was insane. Like the the girls just screaming and just like trying to get them to their their like tour bus and like filming it and yeah it just totally blew my mind because I'd obviously like not experienced anything like that before but it was uh, yeah it was really funny wow it's interesting that you say because um and, and actually I've had um a freelance uh, film editor producer um he was on the podcast a couple of episodes ago and he talked about the fact that he didn't go to uni and managed to find work experience and, and learn from the ground up and I guess as you say you had the university experience which was fantastic um and you still start at the bottom you still start as a showrunner um, and, and whilst yeah. yes, I did have MTV 
yeah. my little week's worth of uh, work experience um, on my CV. And that definitely helped. I do think yeah. having worked within that realm of your you know, if you can come across as somebody who's vaguely normal, sensible, has a drive <laughs> and can, you know, is good at timekeeping and good at getting coffee, then yeah. that's it. Once you're in, especially with TV, once you're in, you're fine. Because yeah. if you get in with a good production, and I was really lucky that I did, they just, yeah. just keep calling you back and being like, we're doing another production, do you want to work with us? Because ultimately with that kind of... Uh, with TV, the, the uh, entertainment TV, we're talking light entertainment TV. It's just about having fun, and people just want to yeah. work with people who are nice and and ha- and they're having fun with, basically. Yeah. Wow. Um. How exciting. How, <laughs> it is. It sounds, but doesn't it? They sound like the dream. It sounds. That sounds. It that sound is the dream. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get? And I'm I'm conscious that this is not a one step part of your career journey but how do you get from tv production hanging out with girls allowed being in people's front rooms with girls allowed um how do you get from there to becoming an entrepreneur founder of a business that promotes careers that lots of people would say are not for women um I mean obviously yes it was a it was a good sort of there was quite a few stepping stones in between um I think one thing that I initially learned by starting off in a in an industry that was very uh light-hearted let's say and it's just mm. the area that I was working in is that it was as fun as it was it wasn't really giving me it wasn't really scratching the itch of me doing something that I really felt was making some sort of impact mm-hmm. um, and I did that for a, a while I worked on lots of different productions I then sort of moved into marketing um, as I was getting older I didn't want to be on productions I didn't want to be you know not seeing my friends and family which is kind of what happens when you work in in, in yeah. any TV or film um, yeah. so I moved into marketing and I realized I didn't train in marketing it was just kind of like self-taught and 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 being given the opportunity to kind of I'm quite I'm quite multi I'm quite a multitasker and I think that sort of helped helped mm. me like move um into sort of an area that I'd not really been in before um mm. and I worked in marketing for about 12 years in various different areas in hospitality in events um and again it kind of it, it I had I kind of had more creative control and I kind of scratched that itch but I still kind of felt like I wasn't sort of doing enough and there was always kind of this thing in the back of my mind that was like I just don't feel like I'm achieving I don't feel like I'm making an impact mm-hmm. and in 2020 I was on maternity leave with our first baby and obviously the pandemic hit and at the time I was working for an events agency um as head of marketing and I was made redundant which was kind of to be expected given that events obviously took a real yeah hit, um, because of the pandemic and we just, I just had some time where I was sort of still on maternity leave. And I sort of realized that I think like because I'd sort of, I'd had a good solid sort of 12 years of working for other people and having this real stable job mm-hmm. that, um, that actually nothing was really set in stone. And that if you have a full time job where you get paid every month and you know where you stand, it doesn't guarantee anything because you can still be on maternity leave and a pandemic can still happen. You can still lose your job. So it kind of almost like removed that fear that I think had been standing in the way of me yeah. 
myself. And um, so when the idea of Tasker happened or came about, I should say, um, I think I had less fear about sort of jumping on it and going, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to do this for myself. Also helped by, in no small part, the fact that my co-founder slash husband, he has only ever worked for himself really, other than like a small sort of spate of work at Halfords when he was 16. He's always, himself. He's always had his own companies and he's, he's got this inherent, and I don't know if it's like a white middle-class man thing, but he's got this inherent confidence in just doing it for himself and be, uh, having this real entrepreneurial spirit and so he really that encouragement was there too and I think between the two of us I just think it allowed me to take that step and go this is this is I'm going to pursue this and see what happens and if yeah. it messes up then it does and I'll be in no worse situation than I was when I was on maternity leave losing my job so yeah um God, there's so much in there. Um, <laughs> I've and I think for about 15 years of my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think in what you have to say about that, you know, as someone who also I left corporate life, where at the time people said well, two things: one is you're so brave, and I thought, well, like you say, life happens. So what are you going to do? Um, sit and wait. Uh, the other thing that people said was, like, are you mad? Because there's, you know, no pension, no car allowance, no commission. There were all of these things that you lose, but what you gain in working for yourself and saying, I did that and I'm getting paid for a job well done that I can kind of say that was mine from start to finish. And so, and I think it's also really hard to. Um, I don't know if you found it the same thing, but I often sort of I find it really difficult to look back on what we've even what we've achieved in the last couple of years. Like we've built something from nothing, mm. and it's still really hard to believe. It's still really hard to take any credit for it. To just go, yeah. oh, no, but this happened and that happened, and I don't know if that's like a female thing or a just a me thing, but like it's uh it's it's difficult to kind of yeah it's difficult to kind of take like real like stock of what you've what you've achieved and you have to remember to do that because there's yeah. literally the reason why I'm doing it is because I I love I, lo- I don't think I could ever go back to working for somebody else now no I had there's a friend of mine who's free and she says we're just unemployable now Tony yeah. <laughs> so true. um how did the idea for task come about um so in, in 2020 um towards the end i think it was in the sort of november time um when things were starting to kind of open up a little bit we were getting some work done on our house we were getting some work done in our kitchen and i was um i was kind of project managing it and i you know had the vision and I was looking for tradespeople and I was looking for tradesmen and I was looking online to, on at the kind of usual places on like online directories. We didn't have any real recommendations within our network. And I remember having a few over to give us quotes and sort of check out the space and they would sort of arrive and they'd just automatically speak to my husband and I stood right next to them, just like trying to talk to them because my husband didn't really know what was going on. He didn't really know my grand plans. Um, yeah. And I was just like, this is, really annoying and so I was just and it just hit me 
I was like, why have I not looked to see if there's a, a female available here? Like it just yeah. on my radar. And so I started to see if I could find anyone and I just found it really hard. Like, and there were women out there who were kind of marketing themselves, but you know, I suppose when you're a trades, when you're a tradesperson, like you're a tradesperson, that's what you're good at. You're not necessarily, I mean, obviously there are people that sort of, you know, sort of straddle both sides. Most tradespeople aren't amazing marketeers and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it was really, and it was really hard to find them. And on the directories, I was looking like, it was just all men. You couldn't find a woman. There was no way of searching for a woman. Um, yeah. And so I just remember saying to my husband, like, just feel like this is something that we should pursue and we should look into because I think that this, this is something I want. And we've got, at the moment, you know, we've got the time because neither of us are working. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to do something. Um, yeah. And um, we just started, we just started literally on the back of the flag packet, just like sketching out an idea for how it could work. The other frustration I, well, we were both having is, you know, I'm just on the cusp of being a millennial. I don't like phony people. I don't really like massive interactions. I like things done quickly. I wanted to book someone online and I yeah. wanted to have it like, I wanted that sort of security. I wanted to be able to pay online. And so we yeah. were kind of trying to merge the two. And so we were sketched out this idea and we approached um, an early stage impact fund called Bethnal Green Ventures who run um, an accelerator program, which is incredible. And they offer you investment and and um, a space on their um, accelerator, basically. And we, we managed ourselves on that. And that was what gave us the funds to, we spent the majority of that initial investment, which was, I think, I think we, it was around 50K, but part of that was to pay for the, the accelerator program. So maybe 30, we, we basically spent the majority of that on our kind of MVP, like our prototype of our booking tool and our brand, which was just incredibly important. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, it kind of, it went from there. Okay. Um, MVP, is that most viable product? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I remembered something. Um, <laughs> okay. Totally. Um, what, do, do you think it made a difference that you and your husband were doing this together? I mean, maybe this is a silly question on my part, but given your husband's mm. background and experience, did that imp did that influence the way you approached it and whether you would be likely to have got access to that funding? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think Bethnal Green Ventures is incredibly uh they're looking for diverse founders. So yeah. I think I think from that perspective, no, yeah. like I would have I would have done. I think obviously um I think obviously two brains who are both, I think our skill set matches really well. Like he's very mm. sort of mathematical, very logical, very, um, he's got a lot, a lot of, he's very sort of, he's got a lot of experience within, you know, building businesses and I'm much more kind of creative and um, sort of brand marketing side and sort of, I suppose, so female, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, understanding um, our customer anyway. Um I think that one of the things I think we were concerned about was the fact that we were together at the time we weren't actually married, but we were, you know, quite clearly living together. Um, we were concerned that people would not find, like not invest in us because we were uh, in a relationship. And actually, 
it's actually kind of gone the other way really I think we've had a couple yeah. of questions in our last round of whether or not yeah. you know but ultimately we met at work as well we'd worked together for years before we actually got together so okay. we'd, we'd had an established working relationship before our yeah I think that's probably quite good because just the thought of working with my husband is terrifying um and we both this is a shared yeah. thing yeah. Um, don't get me wrong it's you know we spend literally every waking moment together and we want to murder each other sometimes but I think that because that was in place beforehand yeah so yeah it's, it's a tricky one to answer um I think that he definitely had knew more of the tricks of the trade than I did yeah um how did you know? So I guess you knew there was the appetite for for people that wanted to hire women electricians and plumbers and gas fitters. Um, how did you know that there were enough tradeswomen to fulfil that need? <laughs> well, we didn't at the time. <laughs> <laughs> we um, we actually started off doing it. It was just it was so analog um we because obviously you know one of the issues was tradeswomen were tricky to find um we we put together a couple of surveys so we did one for customers and we kind of got like people within our sort of our bubble to share it with people within theirs because we kind of knew what our demographic was that we were kind of aiming for that was an easy win to sort of understand that was actually something people wanted and then we put together a questionnaire um for tradeswomen <clears throat> and we literally just dug them out on instagram um through their website and we ended up with this panel of tradeswomen um these three tradeswomen who kind of were our initial kind of jumping off point who um they were all really really interested in what we were doing really invested and had really good networks and they really helped us sort of yeah. introduce it to other tradeswomen and then we literally were booking in calls and offering Amazon vouchers for an hour of their time on Zoom to look at what we were building to give us feedback and ask us. And we were constantly like, is this what you want? Is this helpful? You know, like we don't have a trades background. We can see, you know, we can see issues from our side. Is this true? And just like, just basically just data gathering continually. And it was a real stop. Um, especially because obviously like tradesmen were working all day all of the all of this work was taking place between like seven and ten o'clock at night every single night and um but it was a sort of unanimous uh decision from every tradeswoman we spoke to that it was you know there were plenty of tradeswomen out there who weren't making themselves known and there were plenty of women out there who were uh who wanted to train who were interested in training who felt like they shouldn't be doing it or they were intimidated because they were the only female in the room and yeah like there's never been a point where we were like this is this isn't something that's needed yeah and and tell me there's something that you said in there um about the opportunity that exists for women and like girls when it comes to the to trades so well i think like Times are changing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, and that's literally since we've been working on Tabasco in the last couple of years, yeah. I, I've noticed a shift. And maybe it's because of Tasker, we are routinely contacted by bigger names, bigger names, bigger players within the industry 
asking asking to connect, asking to understand how they can partner with us so that they can access more trade women because diversity and inclusion targets exist and and people need to hit them. And we have now got, you know, a database and we have access and we have uh, trust from a community of, of tradeswomen. Um, but there's still so much work to do. Um, and as a, as a woman, as a school leaver, I yeah. think, again, there is work happening. Um, but ultimately, if you're a, a, a young girl who's not who doesn't want to go to university who's 16 and is trying to work out what her opportunities are i would there's there's nothing there's nothing to introduce young girls into the trades mm-hmm. and i say i mean as in there are there are a handful of schools and there are a handful of companies who are trying um to get in to get into schools and to to share information and and you know one of the thing about schools from from what we've discovered and from what we've um, spoken to other startups that work with schools is that they're impossibly hard to work with because there's so much red tape and because um there's so much going on and it's obviously so little resource but um yeah yeah, trying to trying to get that information over to young girls is at the moment very very difficult and it's not and 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 there are the, one of the things I think that is making a change is things like younger women who have Instagram, who are on TikTok, who are also yeah. tra- who are creating content um, where these girls look. And I hate saying I don't know why I really I struggled just calling them girls, but they are because they're young. They're um, they're they're there with their long hair and their fake tan and their long fake eyelashes and their nails, but they're yeah fixing a fuse box and they're pulling a boiler off the wall and they're TikToking it and they're doing an Instagram reel and young girls at school they can see that and that is what it's it's amazing because they're they're basically rebranding the trades for school leavers and I think that that message and the work that those women and girls are doing is is great and that's something that we we can definitely get on board with and we can help support but we can't just create it it's got to come from those those people um when it comes to women i think that a lot of the women that we work with they're the issue that they have is that people don't think tradeswomen they just think tradesmen and me included um and one thing that we're working on with Tasker is this is this kind of brand awareness, not just of Tasker, but the brand of a tradeswoman, like thinking yeah. tradeswoman as well as tradesman. And, yeah. um, you know, getting people to search, I want a tradeswoman rather than just a tradesman in my area, using terminology yeah. like handy person or handy woman. Um, yeah. And that kind of that stuff takes time um i think on the whole a lot of the tradeswomen we work with they have repeat clients they have they have customers that they work with aside from tasker that you know they love working with these women um yeah. I don't, they struggle to find work but um obviously there are other there are other complications we we have a tradeswoman that we work with who does some weekend jobs for us some evening jobs with us she has a couple of small children and she's having issues in her day job because she just can't fit in enough hours around childcare. And yeah. as a as a you know female focused business, that's another thing that kind of crops up really really regularly. And mm-hmm. the trades just are not set up for 
they're not set up for women and so there's just this mental shift that needs to happen and obviously little old task are kind of chipping away and there are other businesses who are trying to do you know to try and do that too but it's Mm. it's a seismic shift that is going to take a lot of time and something um we spoke about kind of prior to today's recording was if if you are say early in career so you haven't yet you know started a family you know your world is your oyster um the kind of financial opportunities to work in the trades as a career are pretty cool so it'd be great if you could kind of talk about what that might look like for for a young woman absolutely I think like one of the first things that we myself and my co-founder Paul when we first started looking into women in trade um and school leavers and how many sort of you know how many girls attend trade apprenticeships when they leave school the thing that was so incredibly staggering was that basically girls are filtered into if you don't go on to do your a-levels and you don't go on to do university you're filtered into hairdressing cosmetology childcare Uh, and they're all really badly paying industries and yet their their male peers are then going on to do electrical work or plumbing or heating and gas and we basically it's estimated that girls are basically losing out on three quarters of a million pound worth of lifetime earnings if they go into a female trade i.e yeah yeah and um the trades you know skilled manual trades are so lucrative for a reason um you know you we wrote a little post recently about how you know to to train as an electrician it takes you minimum three years which is the same as a nurse a teacher a police officer a paramedic like all of these skilled jobs which are obviously all incredible jobs as well but they have there's a real well in some of them there's a difference in pay um, but if you become an electrician um, and you're an electrician in London, you could be looking at anything between 50 and 100K a year, depending on how much you work and if you're self-employed. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's an incredibly lucrative job. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would I, I don't hesitate to say without a doubt, all of our tradeswomen are earning more than me and Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that... I'm so passionate about like our the rates that we set uh they've been yeah. set with our panel of tradeswomen we looked you know and we were only live in London at the moment we're looking to expand sort of nationwide and obviously that will the rates will have to reflect you know the areas London is you know always going to be more expensive and therefore we will pay tradeswomen more um yeah. but it was it was it's always so important to make sure that those tradeswomen are getting paid fairly for their skills and yeah. I think that that's another educational piece that we're working on with our customers. I think yeah. you know, I talked quite a lot about unconscious bias on my LinkedIn recently because and it is a bit of a like you know key key term, but there's a you know our, the majority of our customers are female, but they have they also and including me have a lot of bias towards what they're paying for the for mm. skill trades in general, regardless of gender, and yeah. um, I think you know the trades as a whole they need a bit of a rebrand too because 
you know you don't you're spending these people are spending a lot of money to train it's not cheap and then then doing update for training you're paying for tools you're paying out for parts and waiting to be reimbursed like there's a lot of money um uh, at play and it should be fairly like uh compensated by the customer and it's just trying to understand that you know it's trying to communicate that the that the jobs that they do are actually very skilled and very technical and really important and won't be taken over by by ai um yeah always going to need someone to fix our boiler or electrics like yeah and it's um the point you touched on there about the kind of skill levels involved and certainly my experience from school and college and it is so fascinating isn't it that people go well and this is not my opinion but this is what people would have said was that the trades were for people who are not clever mm-hmm. and yet <laughs> you know I've got family members who are builders and roofers and you need working knowledge of mathematics to stick a roof on a house it's oh not yeah. it's not work for for people that aren't bright so absolutely the opposite yeah absolutely the opposite especially I mean god do you like the idea of being a heating and gas engineer and going and messing around with someone's boiler and then leaving them and then like yeah. I, I'm not taking on that responsibility yeah. like, I'm stressed out about posting a post on LinkedIn let alone you know <laughs> killing a whole household because I've not sorted out their boiler properly like they yeah. are so skilled and so smart and I think that it's it's this I think that's and that's one of the reasons why Tasker works because what we offer is we offer the skills that we have, which are admin skills. We are marketing. We are um, sorting out like invoices and working with them to make sure that they're not having to do too much admin. And I heard someone say once that tradespeople are sort of they're they're business people that don't want to be business people. They just they're really good at what they do. They want to. Yeah. And in it's, I think, I mean, I'm, I don't know. My assumption is it's just the way that people's brains are. And so we're just sort of joining forces. Our skill set is, you know, marketing, sales, and tech, and to support yeah. and to let trades people and specifically trades women to kind of get on with what they do best. And, yeah. um, and then allowing customers to kind of benefit off the back of that. And I think that that's where maybe at school, you know, the naughty kid in class or the kid with ADHD who couldn't really concentrate, they go off to work in the trades because actually once they're focusing on what's on something that they're really interested in and they're really good at, like yeah. that's what they wanted to do. They didn't want to sit in a seat all day and you know learn. They wanted to be moving around and problem solving. And yeah, like we're doing it at the moment, we're working um to create like a piece around um neurodivergent tradeswomen and um there's a, a platform called on the tools who did a study recently that said that 50 percent, i think it's like 52 percent of tradespeople identify as neurodivergent and it's just no surprise like when you yeah. work continually with tradespeople um yeah. and i think that that's part and parcel of it too so like it's just it's just constantly like about the, the messaging around it and and obviously there's only so much that we can do um yeah. with regard to our messaging um but it's also just communicating with the people that have more sway and bigger companies and just trying to rebrand the, the world of the trades so that we're normalizing women in trades and so that trades are recognized as a valuable 
job to move into when you're leaving school and that you don't have to go to university regardless yeah. of your middle class and you live in, yeah. in the country <laughs> yeah and I think actually it's a really um valid point because there's a lot about and I contribute to the conversation about for like council estate kids that want to go into the professions or have a you know professional career um but conversely there will be young people who are who have a middle class or very comfortable upbringing they shouldn't be precluded from becoming a plumber electrician there should be no you can't imagine that but some people see it as a stigma attached to being a highly qualified tradesperson um no it is ridiculous isn't it and i think that of the colleges that we've spoken to in the past have said the issue it really is the parents a lot of the time the child be like really interested in it i really like the idea of becoming an electrician and the parents are like no like i would like you to go to university and then you can study for three years and then you can come out and get a job that pays you half of what you'd get if you're an electrician but like it's you know and and a lot of at that age that that school leaving age you're still really like within that fold of the family like it's difficult to push against what your parents are saying and um yeah again you know it's another another message, another group of people. <laughs> so, um, and one thing I'll ask you for, I don't want to put you, but if you can send me, I'd love to see some of the kind of links to the young women who are on Instagram or TikTok that you think would be great for young people to follow. Um, yeah. Thinking about Tasker and what you've done and and kind of what would come next for you. Because I, I get a sense, you know, there's some big things coming. Um, you know, what's what's in the plan for like this year and beyond? Um, well, we've so we just closed a raise at the end of last year, which was great. Um, and so we're now looking at growth, um, both um, of our trades. So at the moment, we offer three trades. Um, electrical heating and gas and plumbing and we're looking at growing that um and offering more and the reason that we sort of didn't just go in and offer all trades is well for two reasons firstly you know you have to start somewhere secondly our our booking platform is about booking online and we're we're working we're working with with some um ai developers as well to try and update our platform to allow us to offer more complex trades to be completely bookable online so um that's something that we're looking to do this year. Um, towards the end of this year, um, we're looking at expanding out of London. Um, to, it'll be to other major UK cities. Um, obviously, that's like a really big jump for us. We've got like, what's great is that we have got like a really big database of tradeswomen throughout the UK. Yeah. Uh, really amazing community of tradeswomen. Um, but obviously... We, we we still need to kind of make that work from our side of things as well. So there's a lot of work to do there. Um, we're looking at some really exciting partnerships. We're looking at how we can work with more. Uh, we've got a partnership with a, a women's refuge charity called Solace Women's Aid. Um, yeah. We're looking at doing more of that, more um, partnerships to support women. And um, yeah, like basically growth and improving yeah. the product um you know we're still at the moment slightly working with our original version of our product and we've learned so much and you know in a couple of years that we've been going AI is obviously kind of like really ramped up so we're doing a lot of work um to improve our product using that um so yeah there's uh there's lots of exciting stuff 
<laughs> and I quite like that actually that where you've got AI being used to help um, provide more work to people that have got a skilled physical trade. I yes, like that. <laughs> that that is a that is an application of AI that I can get behind. Um, we're not taking jobs away from anybody. We're actually giving jobs to people with jobs. That I know a lot, a lot of people are really worried about. Um, I know I'm sure AI will kind of wield its way into the trades world more. But um, yeah. yes, you know, you, you have a skilled trade. Um, yeah. You're only going to have more work, and you know we're in a trade deficit at the moment in the UK. That well, a tradesperson de- deficit, I should say. Yeah. Um, we need more tradespeople. That's why we need women and, and school even girls to consider the trades. We need to encourage them into the trades because at the moment we're just ignoring 50% of the population, um, yeah. putting them off and intimidating them. And we need to reverse that so that we can actually have somebody to come and fix our boiler. <laughs> yeah. it's a, and, and I, I hesitate, to, but it's it's in my head now. All I can think about is when are you going to have like a musical ident? So, you know, like check a trade, check a trade.com. What will yours be? <laughs> oh, God. Who knows? Something very feminist, I'd imagine. <laughs> Whenever I'm putting stories and uh, reels up on like Instagram and TikTok, I'm always like really careful about the name of the song that I use to make sure that it's like something really like women like female empowering so it'll be something along the line of that um yeah yeah i mean a t yeah maybe we'll move into tv advertising who knows but um yes Yes. the aim is to get people to start searching for trades women and realize that that is an option for them and yeah uh yeah and we'll continue to grow our community on this amazing whatsapp community of trades women and they all support each other like literally just before i jumped on this call there was a plumber just sort of sending a picture of a shower an electrical shower just going oh does anyone know how to remove this bit and like that everyone was sort of chiming in and it's just really lovely to see because yeah that community they're all just women who's supporting each other from all over the country and i love it none of them went yeah. Oh, better get a <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It's going to take at least, you know, <laughs> five days. It's awesome. I, I kind of, I'm so excited by what you're doing. And there are so many clips in there where I just know it is that, you know, we're in a deficit of tra- tradespeople. We need to have young girls, women joining the trades, reskilling. Um, I can't wait to share this. And so where is the best place for people to find you and learn about you? Um, So our Instagram is kind of like our main hub. So it's task.her, at task.her. And then obviously our website is tasker.co.uk. I kind of see bits at the moment. I'm working on on TikTok. That's our next. uh, I'm a bit too millennial for TikTok. I need to kind of start thinking more like a gen zeder <laughs> okay well tell me when you dip your toe in <laughs> i'm still not there yet um it's been just such a pleasure to talk to you anna thank you for sharing your time with me thank you for having me i really enjoyed talking about myself <laughs> <laughs>